0: This podcast is made possible by Host Analytics and US Bank. Hello, this is Ron Knutsen, CFO of Lawson Products, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader podcast.
1: When I say transition, really what we're talking about here is changes in revenue sources. That has been the challenge. So you've got a mobile business um where the revenues have been, you know, challenged and um, to building a new source of, of revenue through a much more software platform approach into a new customer segment, that has really been the transition.
0: From the Middle Market Executive Digital Network, this is CFO Thought Leader, where we talk to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. This is Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we speak to Terry Stevens, CFO of TV, a technology platform that today spans the gap between traditional TV and internet TV. We speak to Terry about a recent transition OBTV has made to keep in step with a quickly evolving world of streaming content. Our conversation with Terry begins right after these words from our sponsor. It's no secret finance professionals are dealing with some pretty complex problems these days. Now more than ever, they need tools that can help them streamline complex workflows and focus on bigger strategic issues. By bringing your finance organization together on a single cloud platform, Host Analytics automates everyday processes that would otherwise slow you down. By streamlining your planning, modeling, consolidation, reporting, and analytics, Host helps you connect your organization so you can react more quickly to changing conditions and make better business decisions to optimize performance. Let Host Analytics be your partner in leading the evolution of your business.
1: Uh, you know, some of the areas that I've always been focused on is really this you know, marriage of media and technology, so, you know, my career path out of Coopers and Libran. I went to a couple of startups, Uh, the first kind of really big role I had was with a company called Excited Home. Back in the dot-com days, um, I actually, uh, the experience there was probably the most painful. I took them through bankruptcy, but the, you know, the kind of experience that I got was just enormous. You know, leading an organization, had about 100 people in my organization. We had about 2,000 employees uh, worldwide. And so really, you know, being able to have really, a really amazing board to work with, uh, having to deal with really strong uh, management team really kind of helped me hone in uh consolidating groups together really thinking about how to restructure organizations how to really kind of broaden cross-functionally complex systems um so that was probably you know my biggest growing pain um you know since then i've continued to be in other high-tech industries and i've been at Moby tv for uh almost 12 years now
0: on your way to the CFO office, you were also a controller. Um, what would you tell us about that role and uh, how it prepared you uh, to be a CFO?
1: As far as the path for CFO, I think there's two different things that that are really helpful in that path. Um, the controllership was important. You know, I think being able to understand the different infrastructure components it takes to, you know, create an environment that is able to have sound financial, you know, reporting results um, and be able to, uh, you know, te- have that technical capability in your background, I think is really helpful. I think the other attribute to, you know, the CFO path, at least in my case, that was really important was the whole SPNA side of the house as well. Um, so I've always gravitated to both sides of that finance function. And I think that's really critical because, you know, uh, you know, I always think accounting is really good at telling you what, what has happened and FP&A really kind of helps you think about where you're going. And so, you know, you're going to need both of those, um, kind of hats, you know, as you kind of think about becoming a CFO.
0: So, tell us about your arrival at uh, Moby TV, and what were some of the immediate challenges that needed to be uh, addressed?
1: Um, the company, you know, I would say about ten years ago, went through a really high growth spurt. Um, you know, we were getting ready to go public and uh, and that was really, you know my initial role coming into the company was to help the company get ready. Uh, to be really SEC and SOX ready. And, you know, that that process was super interesting for me. And one of the things I really learned, you know, as you think about building infrastructure for companies, you know, there's some very intuitive components. Um, You know, obviously, you know that you've got to put in, you know, a strong procurement cycle. Uh, you know, you're dealing with financial reporting and all of those different controls. But I think what was really interesting, you know, uh, and my aha moment here at Mobi TV was, you know, when you are working with a data intensive company like Mobi TV, we collect a lot of data about user usage and all of those different components. And those components are important for us to understand our business and, and even in financial reporting you realize how broadly and deeply into other departments you have to go. And a really good example was, you know, when we were originally looking at how do we make sure that the data that we're getting on a monthly basis to report our numbers or the data that we're utilizing to forecast our results, how do we ensure the integrity? And we kind of focused on BI, And, you know, that was kind of the intuitive approach. And what we really realized is we had to completely change the mindset of the company. Uh, BI, you know, if it's, crap's going in, crap's coming out, you know. And so we really had to go way beyond that and change the mindset of the company so that reporting all the way down to the product, you know, uh, people, as they're thinking about, you know, they were so focused on features and functionality and getting reporting and data integrity and the types of data that we want to collect it to be at the forefront of that was a big change in mindset for the company. And then filtering that through project planning, engineering, QA, so that when it hit BI, you know, we were in really good shape. So that was, you know, for me a big learning lesson about how deep into the organization and how deep into Even the engineering cycle um, that you had to go to make sure that uh, we were getting good data.
0: Now that we've entered this age of streaming content, it may not be apparent uh, how leading edge uh, this company was. For instance, what was this company up to 10 years ago? What was its offerings really?
1: It wasn't a completely different approach. You know, we were the first company really to get video on mobile phones. And, and we did it in really difficult, you know, we have LTE today. Uh, we even had 3G just a few years ago. I mean, we literally were launching video on 2G phones. Um, and so We obviously had to learn really quickly how to be really efficient about how those streams go over, you know, uh, are delivered to the phone, how to deal with small screens, how to deal with limited processing. And so that was kind of how the company was born, you know. at least in, you know, if you look at a TV everywhere or an all multiple screen solution, you know, the mobile is the most difficult one to understand because not only do you have bandwidth constrained environments, you have changing bandwidth uh, and environments as well. So Mobi TV started out in a mobile only. Uh, we are most known for our white label services that we do for the wireless carriers. So we do Sprint TV, we do T-Mobile TV, at t Live TV. So those are kind of our most notable ones. Uh, Moby TV was the first one to do, I think, all of the March Madness games on the iPhone, uh, which was huge. We've, uh, we had, I think, when you look at one of the um, World Cup uh, streams, we actually, at one point, were streaming 80% of all mobile uh viewing uh for world cup um so so that's kind of where we were born um and really you know in that in that you know in the transition went from you know what we what we do with the wireless carriers is really a full end-to-end solution hosting it very managed service oriented we even procure the content for these guys now what Mobi TV is now in, in the final stages of is really transitioning to be a pure technology player. Uh, we still do some hosting uh, for that, but really kind of being a, a SaaS and software provider for these paid TV providers who wanna offer uh, a, a, a solution over uh, IP-based devices like a Roku or a, a Amazon Fire or Apple TV.
0: So there seems to be so much happening in the land of streaming content these days. How would you describe the marketplace and what is Moby's competitive edge here today?
1: Um, You know, well, we're entering into a a new segment. So, you know, in July of last year, uh, we announced our solution, which is really focused on You know, if you look at the cable operator space today, you know, there's really kind of two, you can bifurcate that industry into two different groups. You've got tier one cable operators, that's your Comcast, Cox, Verizon, all of those guys. And then you have a whole slew of tier two and tier three operators. You know, there's about over a thousand operators out there who provide a cable television solution. And these guys are really faced with some pretty daunting challenges in the industry. You've got consumer fate, you know, consumers or chase have changed dramatically. Um, you know, they've got a lot of competition, you know, with uh, other streaming providers like a Hulu or Netflix. And they have technological uh, challenges facing them as well, like 4k coming down the pipeline. And so, all of these guys, you know, the big guys have been spending a lot of money at this problem. You know, they, the traditional, you know, grid uh, navigation for your television is really cumbersome. It's kind of messy. And so, um, so you know, you look at what Comcast has done. They've spent enormous amount of money, you know, uplifting their whole system into what they call the X1 system, which is really trying to bring in some of these different, uh, kind of a marriage between traditional television navigation to some of the new dynamics of the over-the-top services. And, um, and so they're, they're really creating these great experiences using a set-top box. But when you look at these smaller guys, and this is where Moby TV really has come in and kind of changing the way pay TV providers can think about their television, these smaller guys don't have deep pockets. Um, but they're still faced with all the exact same challenges. They still have got to upgrade their user interface. And, you know, they're right now today, they're stuck on a set-top box solution, which is very difficult to innovate on. Uh, it's pretty inflexible. If you do anything, everything costs money, whether it's uh, changes to your network or replacing the set-top box. And so we have come in with a solution, and again, we just announced this last July, uh, which is we can upgrade your, your total cable television service to the end users uh, with our end-to-end solution all the way, you know, from helping you, you know, you bring in, the, you, you procure the content, but we can help all the way from the ingestion of the feeds all the way to what that consumer experience is without the expense of a set-top box. So, you know, fundamentally, we're very focused on number of operators, you know, we're focused on sales metrics, you know, uh, how do we think about the close process, Uh, you know, when you're early on into uh, an industry, you're really focused probably more so on the uh, sales cycle. Um, I think as we get, you know, we will be launching this commercially with the first customer to launch our platform here in the United States on that um, is going to be ceasefire. That should be happening in the next, you know, month or so. And so, once that happens, we'll start taking a look at user behavior, uh, what they're watching, you know, what kind of content they're they're viewing, what's the source of those, so that we can have a, a full cycle loop back into the product, making sure that we think about the user experience. You know, from my perspective as a CFO, you know, usage becomes important, um, you know, as you're trying to, you know, get some understanding. um uh, On what your subscriber growth is going to be, you know, what is the turn rate going to look like, uh, what is acquisition going to be as you kind of look at it from the subscriber standpoint so you know early stage focused on the sales cycle, a lot of those different components, you know, as we get into commercial, you know we're going to start focusing on those other things and those are similar. Data points, you know, as far as usage and churn and acquisition and all of those different pieces are similar to what we evaluate today on the wireless white label service with Sprint, T-Mobile, and AT&T uh, as well.
0: Now, you have characterized Mobi TV as going through a transition. So, j- just to clarify, is this a business offerings? Transition, or is this a business model uh, transition? What would you What would you tell us?
1: No, it's a fair question um, because when I say transition, really, what we're talking about here is changes in revenue sources. So you know that has been the challenge. So you've got a mobile business um, where the revenues have been, you know challenged um, to building a new source of, of revenues you know through a much more software platform approach into a new customer segment. That has really been the transition.
0: So what are the numbers or the metrics uh, that you're watching closely as uh, you make this transition?
1: I think it is it is going to be active users uh, usage. If you look at things on a daily basis, you know, how many renewals happened? What were the new purchases for the day? Um, how many people you know, canceled their service? We look at that every single day and you should see at least similar you know, trends you know, on, on, those ty- on all of those da- pieces of data. Uh, and we have a very, very detailed understanding of all the ins and outs of what's going on with cash. Uh, and, and that's really driven by the accounting group. So they kind of really focused on what it, for the next three months by week, what is our cash going to look like? Um, and then FPA and accounting work very closely together to make sure that we're in alignment over the, you know, that shorter term horizon and making sure that as FPA takes a look at cash in the longer term, that we're kind of on the same page about some of those moving parts that are happening.
0: Want to quickly ask you about talent? We know it's very competitive today, but as a finance leader, what's top of mind for you when it comes to the workforce today?
1: For me, as I think about the CFO role and even just other senior members of our management team, you know, culture has to be the one thing you really look at um, because if you have the right culture you know, people are okay with working hard, which we do here. You know, everybody has to work really hard. We keep things as lean as we possibly can. And so, so we tend to be very focused on culture and, you know, culture to us uh, comes from, you know, building trust with our employee base. We tend to have an open dialogue. We try to incorporate them into some of the decision making the company is making as senior management thinking about certain changes. Um, you know, obviously, you know, getting there, you know, creating an environment where creativity is fostered and encouraged. And so uh, for, for Moby TV, we tend to be focused on the cultural aspects. Um, you know, from a compensation standpoint, you know, we do use certain tools like Radford to kind of help us. But the reality is, you know, in Silicon Valley, you know, com- you know talent is really tight. It's uh, I think our unemployment rate in the tech sector is less than one percent. So, you know, and we're competing head to head, you know, not just with other companies similar to our size, but we also have to deal with You know Google and all of the other big players out there who are also fighting for similar types of talent. We think what's most important is getting the right people and uh, the right, you know, at at all different layers, whether it's an entry-level engineer to, you know, uh, your management levels as well.
0: We're going to move to the uh, what we call our mentoring round, where I'm going to ask you a few quick questions about your career development. What first put you on the finance track?
1: Um, I had a great mentor. I was very young. I was in high school. And I remember telling him that I really want to do something big, but I have no idea how to get there. And, uh, and he said, you want to go big four. You know, he knew I was really good at math. He knew I was great at accounting. And he said, you, you want to go – it was actually back then was big eight – which kind of dates myself, but um, he said go big eight, and these are the colleges you got to get into in order to do that. For me, um, I don't just love finance. You know, for me, it was important to love my industry, and so uh, you know, Coopers and Lybrand, you know, and that experience really kind of helped me get exposure to different industries and, and really realize. Uh, what I wanted to focus on.
0: Do you have a a personal habit that you believe has contributed to your professional success?
1: I think so. You know, I tend to be a very results and process oriented person. And just even as far as habits that I drive, you know, I'm always kind of, you know, Whether it's a daily task or an annual task, you know, writing down your to-dos or, you know, setting your goals for the day, um, I think is paramount. You know, at least it has been for me. Uh, It really kind of gets your mind in the right set, even every morning. What am I going to do today? What are the goals? You know, or this week, what do we got to get to happen? Or over the next 12 months, you know, getting your whole organization kind of in that mentality is here's what we're driving to, uh, I think to me has been probably the most
0: important. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart? of year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit USpayment.com/slash middle market. Okay. Terry, over the next 12 months, what are your priorities as a finance leader?
1: Yeah, I think it's a, you know, it's definitely some components that we've already talked about today. You know, I think one of them is, you know, getting this you know, finalizing this transition with the company, you know, uh, you know, so helping with the sales cycle, you know, as we think about how we position our pricing, you know, making sure that our sales group team has all the support it needs to close deals. um, You know, that is our number one priority, you know, as we think about taking the company to next steps, um, you know, really making sure that we have the infrastructure in place to, be able to gauge our business and plan our business. Um, and then really just continuing to really think about, uh, you know, our talent group. You know, that is critical, you know, retention uh, and you know, being able to hire the right employees and, and maintain that culture that, you know, makes that, you know, uh, ideal for everyone involved, including, you know, the well-being of our employees and their quality of life. Um, Those are probably the major focuses. And then obviously, all of the Financial Balancing Act that goes on behind that is is critical, including cash management uh, and expense management.
0: Terry Stevens, Finance Leader from OBTV. Thanks for joining us on CFO Thought Leader.
1: All right. Thank you so much for having me.
0: It's Jack Sweeney with a quick note that CFO Thought Leader now has a quarterly print magazine. That's right, print. Each issue will profile 25 different CFOs. Let me repeat that, 25 CFOs. Other uh, print publications are lucky if they're able to bring you five CFOs per issue. What we understand is that you want to consume content in multiple ways. But wait a minute, there's something more here. We wanted this print magazine to be a podcast companion. So when you receive it, we want you to quickly thumb through it and maybe identify which episodes you have missed. We want you to dog ear those pages as well as uh, perhaps the pages that feature CFOs from episodes you already listened to but found maybe a little extra value from. 12 months later, you will have a library of 100 CFO profiles highlighted with your insights or comments alongside the CFO thought leaders. Now, how much are we charging for this one-of-a-kind 100 CFO profile library? Annual subscriptions are $119. We think that's reasonable. We thought about it a little bit, but that's, that's what we came up with. Uh, visit us and subscribe to CFO Thought Leader Magazine at CFOthoughtleader.com, where the future of finance is listening.